0: The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Welcome to the Tea Health Show. I'm Chris Avon smith and this is the Tea Health Show. With us, obviously, in studio, we have Dr. Mark. Morning, Chris. How are you doing
1: today, Mark? Can't complain. Excellent. All good.
0: And then we have... A snake oil salesperson, Ivan <laughs> van Veeg Who is going to be talking to us all about things Stress and psychological and all of that Yvonne, I think you better tell us what you do <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so much um, I, I started with a degree in education And have just made a, a an absolute love of reading into learning new things. I've become an instructor in neuroscience. I do therapy, everything from trauma therapy, mediation through to family therapy, which is much needed right now, as well as um, the psychological sciences. So we, we... we work on pretty much anything that ails you Working from the neurological system Through to the emotional system And then working on the cognitive Getting you functioning to your best
1: possible ability So wow. Chris, you're looking at me And you wonder why is Yvonne here So <laughs> I'm very, very excited To have Yvonne um, part of a team At, at the T clinic And um, where we have been having phenomenal success With patients who present with anything from chronic pain And that, Ivan, was especially in our women of the ages of 50 and above um, Young people with memory loss And um, learning disabilities, and then young children as young as how it's Daniel, four, Four. three, he's turning three, um, um, with you know, cross dominance, um, being left handed but right eyed. Um, So, you know, the spectrum of what Yvonne actually does. is vast and it's very difficult to grasp I think in just um, what Yvonne just said so Yvonne let's get into this Um, let's set a bit of background you told us what you studied but I want to ask you um, how did you how did you get to join us actually let's start there
2: the, the interesting part is I came to you for help. I, um, I initially came in wanting to balance my own hormones. Having the knowledge I had, I realized that there was something physical wrong with me. Um, I came into your office and we, y- you've worked absolute miracles with the testosterone therapy with me. But what I was really struggling with myself, Having the knowledge I had and not being able to help myself was memory loss. Absolute brain fog. Not being able to remember the vocab that I had and being able to utilize it, which, which really does put you on a back foot. And when you're someone who's capable to have that, that incompetence, to feel like you really cannot tackle things that used to be very easy in a day, your effort in a day is 300% more than a normal day should be. That was where I was at. And coming into your T clinic and getting the testosterone therapy just gave me enough of a leg up to be able to then work my magic on myself. And, and obviously consulting with other professionals in the field that I've, that I've worked with before, but I have felt the effect of the neurotherapy on myself, doing simple exercises mm. on a daily basis, relieving the stress, and, and those, those exercises would be individual for different people, but just addressing that, that anxiety, that fight or flight, that, that, um, panic really trying to get through a day um which which snowballs into things like not wanting to be in social situations Mm. not Mm. feeling competent or confident and and as soon as that drops you start dealing with self-worth issues and independence and and you know just depending on possibly your partner or a friend a lot more than you should need to and that is not functioning at your optimal
1: so I want to go back to what you said And that's fight or flight mm. And when you try to explain to Chris And you know, I still see the vacant expression in his eyes <laughs> You see it most of the time, what can I say? <laughs> um, when we go back to that fight or flight Because that's where everything starts It's one of our most primitive reflexes mm. And from my limited understanding of exactly what it is that you do That's where we start We assess people through primitive reflexes
2: Absolutely When, when our body perceives stress And, and that is, is relative to your own situation and your own
1: body But stress being either physical Emotional or cognitive stress.
2: Absolutely. So whatever you perceived stress to be within your, within your scope... Is what sends us back into a primitive reflex Now what primitive reflexes are designed to do is, is they're supposed to teach Your body in a neurological way What the next step is So the basic primitive reflex Needs to go to rest For the next one to come into play And if that one doesn't go into rest You cannot develop further And it causes more anxiety And it causes more stress And when we get stuck in that You then try to any normal or, or, or even not so high functioning person, would form coping mechanisms, and that's where you start seeing things that are diagnosed like as ADHD, or or people who are antisocial, or um, behaviours that are not acceptable, whether that's at school or in a work environment, but mm-hmm. but. If that reflex does not go to rest, then we adapt in a survival mode, which is never going to be optimal. Survival being just make it through this incident. Just get through this particular place, this particular um, environment.
1: Okay, so immediately I want us to dumb it down. Dumb it down for the person that's listening to this podcast or to this broadcast into a point where oh my god this is this is this is me I have this or this is my child or this is you know what this is my friend's child or a husband is stuck in this. How do we recognize that I'm stuck in a primitive reflex or I've reverted back from an Cognitive state into an emotional state Into a primitive reflex state
2: So so the, the symptoms That we see a lot you, You've mentioned a, a patient of ours Who had memory loss Absolute memory loss um, Having children Come to you and ask a question 3 4 times not not calculating what you've said not processing it and then asking again and th- and that's probably high functioning for some of our children not being able to remember two or three instructions at once um having a lack of attention and and again I come back to those ADHD symptoms when a child displays a behavior in a classroom they are giving us clues that something is not right. If your child <coughs> is is um, learning to read or learning to write and and showing signs of dyslexia that that really can give us a sign of the fact that we're not we're not functioning in the reflex that we should be functioning in if my if my child is struggling to read. It could be their eyes. It could very definitely be their eyes that they're not seeing properly. It could also be that their dominant eye is not. Talking
1: to the dominant brain And uh, Chris this is something that We're going to be talking about In the near future We have uh, Prof. Yanni Who used to be the Head of optometry at the University mm-hmm. of Johannesburg um, Who will be joining Us and he's doing incredible Work on that word Cross dominance um, and I think uh, we had dr. Mel um, Jacobs last week also speak to us about mm. about that, where you 're once the dominant side of a brain, we all have a dominant side of the brain, and it crosses over in the corpus callosum correct, and that is where there is an exchange of information between the left side of the body and the right mm. side of the brain. Um, and if there's a disconnect there this is what sometimes presents as either ADD ADHD or dyslexia or behavioral um, abnormalities or just what we would call naughty children but i mean i i, I was just going to say is it you know
0: i think it's such a fine line um diagnosing um the adhds the adds etc etc because i th- i think with with some kids I, th- I think especially a couple of years ago it became so easy to say oh that kid is add let's put them on ritalin or, or you know. what, whatever those are and we'll we'll just actually medicate them out out of that behavioral pattern mm-hmm. and um I mean, just if, just about every second child at one point mm. was on Ritalin to a greater or lesser d- degree. And I think it's such a problem not being able to see beyond that and see actually what is going on. Mm. And, and I think they, you, you know, it would be the, Grade 2 teacher Who was saying Oh this child is ADHD That rushed off to The GP The GP would say Absolutely I've got my 15 minutes With you That sounds absolutely right um, ADD Let's put them on Ritalin And I th- I think It's a problem I think It's it's a huge problem Absolutely Because how do you You, you, you know It's got to be Properly diagnosed You can't just
2: I, I have to reiterate, um, you know, in, in the process and, and the professionals that a child sees mm. in the process of being diagnosed, I, I have to give kudos to parents are doing the best they know how. Sure. With the knowledge they have and, and, Sometimes it is a matter of the parents are overwhelmed. So what do they do? They turn to the next professional that Absolutely. knows the child best. Absolutely. Their teacher then is qualified to a certain point. I, I know I've been in that field. Sure. I have been a sure. teacher of special needs education. Um, we're not qualified to diagnose that. Mm. That's not our job. We refer out. So what do we do? We, we, write down the markers we observe and we give input sure. we then refer to a doctor on a bad day i think most of us could fit onto the spectrum oh gosh yes. so so depending on when we find this child mm. what mood they're in what state they're in they could also very well fit the fit the ball um, especially if they've just had a fight with mom getting into the car when they've been late and they've only got one shoe and they haven't eaten because they were running late.
1: The you blood know, sugar's a bit low. Absolutely. and All of that. No.
0: Add that It sounds like a
1: normal day in my office. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but I mean, that sort of is 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 my point, right? You you know, and and I'm certainly not taking anything away from those those professionals. What I was saying to to my mind at one point, it just became so fashionable to be able to s- sit around your. Oh my st- kids on,
1: on a Oh
0: gosh, oh, little Johnny oh, you know, we had to know, put him Ritalin
2: Here's the thing. We we diagnose them and we medicate them. Yeah. But our kids are so competent that I've heard of children in in high school selling the medication to other children because it's effective for other things that are desirable. Absolutely. How great are our kids at adapting? Yeah. You know, so I I in a perfect world I would love to see parents taking responsibility. And saying, take the input from the teacher Take the input from the doctor But I know my child best Mm. And if there is a path we can follow That is non-invasive Where I can look at Is there basic grounding in place? Are they functioning in their primitive reflexes? Is it as simple as doing exercises with them? And, And we're talking simple like Dad wrestling with a little boy Yes So that they can get their proprioception in place So that proprioception being Where are my body parts Where am I In relation to the world And what is the world doing In relation to Mm. me
1: Mm. Yvonne I want to interject there You One of the first patients That we discussed Was an elderly gentleman Who had difficulty In walking Actually lost the ability to walk. Run us run us through that patient because I think it's and and you know we've been talking about children now children mm. and parents. Mm. But you know but now we now we're going to the opposite side of a spectrum. Absolutely. Um so run us through that patient.
2: So to start let, let's just confirm that the neurological system in a Four and up, really from seven it's developed To 95 is exactly the same And and there's this wonderful thing called neuroplasticity Yes,
1: and this is what, what I want to stand still at a little bit later We'll okay. circle back So, Neuroplasticity so yeah.
2: the, okay. me, the meaning of neuroplasticity is that there are neural pathways They have a purpose If you don't use it, you lose it your brain prunes at night and takes away what you don't need. If you use it and you have repetitions of it, it myelinates and it becomes a lot more per- permanent. Mm. So so the premise behind that is even if you're much older and we need to now regain that primitive reflex, if we need to re-remyelinate that pathway or reteach something, we can.
1: This is this is the um, you never forget how to ride the bike. Okay. Now I want—we'll come back to this one, but you're going to tell us about this gentleman that we're referring to, and then I want to to come back neuroplasticity and riding a bike.
2: So, so this gentleman was um, came to me. His wife was concerned about his memory loss. How old was he? He's eighty-five.
0: Um, sure, he's still got some memory left.
2: He's concerned about memory <laughs> loss. <laughs> um, his wife was concerned that he couldn't remember tomorrow or a week's time, and to cut a very long story short, in in neurotherapy, we don't assume anything. Right, we assess the system, so it's not my objective opinion. It is assessed based on neurological reactions. Um, Within the body So he came in And he stumbled Over everything Because it took him so long To get from point A to B But he was Absolutely determined he was walking in To the therapy room He could not get himself up onto the therapy bed For assessment He needed help finding where it was Backing up, sitting down on it Swinging so that he could lie down Was was a five minute ordeal um, He
1: just did not know Where he was in the world So his sense of Proprioception Correct. Where I am in relation To everything else was missing.
2: Completely missing.
1: Okay. So throw a ball at this man and he will catch air.
2: He, or or but be I delayed.
1: Okay. I be do completely that. Completely
2: delayed. Yeah, you just get we it. can work on that. <laughs> that that's true. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's where we started. We assessed his, his reflexes, and I think you mentioned it on the show last week with Melanie. It came down to two things his proprioception had been hindered because he had come from a climate where it was very, very cold and being 85 years old, he had formed habits living overseas and he always wore thick woolen socks. And that was all his feet felt every single day, summer, winter, no matter what, he had his thick woolen socks on. And as soon as we removed those socks, and we had him roll a ball, which he found very painful to start off with. Um, roll a tennis ball. and Under the ball of his foot. Under the ball of his foot. We then put beanbags on his knees when he was watching TV or sitting still. I gave him and his wife a few exercises. And essentially what we did is we woke up his entire neurological system within his skin. His, from head to toe But focusing mostly on his grounding Underneath his feet Right, And what that did Is it, it gave him a sense of Wait a minute This is where I am First of all, this is where my body parts are this is where my feet are my hands are and it sounds so basic we all know where our body parts are we don't we don't we really don't um and as we rolled that ball we then moved on to a spiky ball and we we added more more exercises they're twice a day takes less than five minutes and they're actually having a bit of he's a very he's got a wonderful sense of humor um and they became quite jovial in their relationship doing their exercises together. When he came back to me three weeks later, he walked in without stumbling. Wow. He took his shoes off, hopped on the bed, lay down, and said, What's next?
1: Fabulous. Three weeks. So, you know what? And, and what we want to demonstrate with this, uh, Chris, is that. The brain, and this is where we get to neuroplasticity. The brain is constantly forming new memories. In the form of a neural network Am I correct?
2: So so we take in experiences through our senses Everything enters our body through our senses, your proprioception Being one of your senses, so it's the eyes, the ears, the skin, touch, smell, taste But it's also proprioception, we take in input If I step and I bump my toe on the step, okay Next time I have to go a little higher, those are our senses, we take Everything in through our senses.
0: It's like typing.
2: So, so this is why when Ooh. you're trying to sell a house, they say to you bake cookies because mm. the smell invokes childhood memories. It's pleasant memories. Um, when you play certain music, it takes you right back to primary school or or high school, whatever that red, is. Red red
0: wine, nineteen eighty four, Vitz <laughs> um, Canteen. The, those. Are the, <laughs>
2: Those are the that 's how we form memories that 's how we form yeah. pathways is through our senses now, if our senses are not working, how do we form those neural pathways? How do we and maintain them? you know
1: them? what? with the difficulty that I, that I had with my vision hmm. uh, over the past three weeks i've realized just how incredibly important <clears throat> that is because um, losing one sense. It's incredibly difficult at our age to compensate quickly mm. with your other senses. Whereas for children, it happens almost overnight. Mm. That yet. the brain is fluid much more than us who's a little bit older and, you know, a repetition, repetition, repetition.
2: So, yeah, when children, So when your eyes went off center, when, when you were not at optimal, you took a while to adapt and you consulted experts and, and you got answers and you got treatment. When children adapt, we see it as a behavioral problem because children adapt the only way they know how. So if they are are Sensory seeking So if they're not getting enough proprioception input Guess what, they move more, they touch more They touch each Uh, other more So this is the
1: fidgety child This
2: is the fidgety child What is that child doing wrong? Actually nothing They're really just trying to stimulate the sense And and adapt They can't go to a doctor And say this is how I'm feeling Hmm. They can only adapt And actually they're doing it really really well but it's not acceptable behavior So what do we do? Medicate them
1: So you stop this input that they need By medicating them Leaving them with a huge gap
2: Huge gap But also we then regress to the the primitive, primitive reflex Below that Okay. So all we're doing is we're pushing them further and further back There is a place, don't get me wrong, there is a place for medication Within the neurological system we have, we have two reasons You either have a chemical problem or you have a neurological problem mm. If it's a chemical problem, there is a need for medication But that requires a whole other gambit of assessments. That's not a checklist of assessments to say, okay, now let's medicate. But there are are cases that do need chemical help.
1: Okay. So I want to circle back to what we said, neuroplasticity and riding a bike. So all of us, most of us, I I think, have learned how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. It would be very interesting, actually, to see... How many children that lives in Johannesburg know how to ride a bike? Because when we grew up, you know what? It was one of the first Presents That you got Remember that Christmas morning And there was a bike under the tree You know what it, you, Yes you fell You had your training wheels Eventually the training wheels came off Some of us still need training wheels but, <laughs> That's you know. just for life for you Mark <laughs> <laughs> um, But we all learned how to ride a bike Now very interesting um I saw a program and Yvonne, I think you must know about this one, where through very clever engineering, um an engineer reversed the action of a bike. So when you turn your handle to the left, the bike turned right. So sure. Okay. How counterintuitive it is? Oh my gosh! But now, my, now my brain's
2: adapting just to the concept. <laughs> now,
1: then he tried to learn how to ride this bike. So he's peddling backwards. No, 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 no. Peddling is normal. Just the steering. Just the steering. Just, oh, okay. It's just the steering. Guess how long it took him to learn how to ride this bike. I should imagine quite a long time.
2: Sure, that's a that's a trick question right there.
1: Nine Uh, months.
2: In nine months,
1: I can nine mm. months. Guess how long it took him to see me. (laughs) Guess how long it took his child. Probably three weeks. Yeah, I was just going to say a lot less than that. Three weeks. Now they did this experiment. Where they gave this bike to people in the street. No one was able to ride this bike it took them months but eventually they got it right now this is the interesting part then they reversed it again normal bike couldn't ride it couldn't ride it for the first day yeah next day day, perfect Mm. and that is what neuroplasticity is absolutely and you know So let's talk a little bit more about this concept mm. of neuroplasticity because Yvonne, you said to me, um, you know uh, you have a paralysis of one of your cranial mm. ner- nerves and this is causing you to have double vision. But we can retrain the brain mm. to re-innovate mm. that muscle that's now paralyzed. Um, and that will bring back normal vision. So, let's let's discuss this concept for five minutes, and then I want to go into our um, young adolescents that are in the practice at the moment. Mm.
2: So, adapting your eyesight. Um, Again, when we're in our primitive reflexes, when we're in a fight or flight, what happens is all of us have a dominant brain and then we have dominant input through eye and ear and then we have dominant output through your hand and your foot, which is your action and your communication. What happens when you're in a primitive reflex or fight or flight state is the corpus callosum stops Communicating right to left, so if you have a blocked profile which crosses over um, from from the right brain communicating to the right side of your body, or if you have a mixed version of, of that and you are stressed, it doesn't communicate clearly, it takes longer, and there is a breakdown in communication. However, with neuroplasticity, we can work around that. We can, first of all, bring you out of a primitive reflex mm-hmm. to reduce the anxiety, which is, I think, where a lot of people are over lockdown and, and, and with the added stresses of lost jobs and, and homeschooling children. But we can reduce that in many ways. Each one is different for each case But the neuroplasticity comes in Where because we have two eyes One will lead That doesn't mean the other one doesn't work It just means your dominant leads Which means that we can then retrain your brain To to function better with your non-dominant eye The characteristics, your genetic makeup From your dominant eye remains But we adapt and adaptability is the it 's what separates us from from other mammals.
1: we adapt so it's very interesting that you say that because my initial diagnosis so to explain what happened, I woke up one morning and over the course of a day, my vision deteriorated terribly, and i couldn 't understand why until later that evening, I realized I was actually seeing double mm-hmm. um, and We looked for all the causes. That explains my last Botox treatment. Then, (laughs) just wait for your next one. (laughs) Um, You know, we we um, went to look at the most probable causes. Anything from a space-occupying lesion or something that's causing pressure on the nerve, all the way through to um, you know, at some kind of hemorrhage or stroke. And viral infections, and we didn't find any um, reason for this. Obvious reason. And initially the diagnosis was, you know what, you've been compensating for close to 50 years, um, f- being being double visioned. But I played precision throw sports At incredibly high levels For all this time Um, Why did we suddenly Decompensate And then we went And you know It it was a COVID year I moved the practice Into a new office Um, There was some Personal stress There was some uh, Work stress um, And you know Just living in my head As stressful as it is Mm. So you know it, there's a reason that you could have decompensated just because of those. And then I came to you and you know it you said, Yes, that's possible, but let's fix it. Um, what would we do with someone in this situation? What what is what is your step by step approach to a person like this assessment means what in you guys so, for you so
2: i I'm glad you said assessment because that is where it starts we can have theories as as the day is long, but what it comes down to is we need to assess where your body is at um and and in this particular situation we haven't had the opportunity to do that we still will um but when we assess, we find which reflex is active and and we figure out where your stress lies in your neurological system. So that, that doesn't compute to, um, I am stressed about a personal event, doesn't make it an emotional stress. It just shows us where it is showing symptoms within your body. And what we do then is we have simple exercises that then relieve the anxiety of that stress and work with that particular reflex to integrate. So if we have, let's use the example of a reflex, which is... Without getting technical, a moro reflex, which is your, your flail reflex when you, when you put a baby down too quickly and their arms go out. So it's a survival reflex. In order to, to satisfy that, we would then do the opposite motion and, and the motion that's ex, ex, required. So we have an opening up of the body and we then compensate by doing the opposite which is a closing up, deep pressure, holding tight, holding that for a few minutes. So we're satisfying the sensory need that that reflex has. And in doing that, and and uh, there's there's a myriad of different people that have opinions on different exercises um, to have those reflexes be satisfied, and and sometimes some work better than others, and that's the experiment part that we work with in in
1: the therapy. I want to I want you to classify exercise, because a lot of people that hear exercise think um, running, jumping. And you know what? Some of these exercises are a stretch, um, being held, play. Hmm. Um,
2: so, so when, when I say exercises, they are motions. They really are, are a way to satisfy your senses. And sometimes that is being quiet. We can't satisfy the auditory senses by being quiet. So those would be more active, but it does, It does range from a very very particular um, sensory input all the way through to games that we can play with children that stimulate that same sensory input, but in a much more playful way, which makes repetition much easier, but also adds emotion to it. And as soon as you add emotion of joy at time with mom or dad, that suddenly becomes much more effective than doing that particular movement in a stoic way with someone that I don't have an emotional connection with. So there's, there's a range of ways that we can deal with this. When we deal with, with I, was, I was talking about the elderly gentleman, he prefers not to be touched. He is very like tactile I sensitive. I don't like it. So we gave him a ball. Put a ball under your foot, it shouldn 't invade your daily routine. it should help alleviate stress. so he has a ball under his foot while he sits in front of the TV or he loves reading. Um, we then put a, a weight on his knees just to add more pressure onto the bottom of his foot. He was not allowed to wear socks at all. He was most offended that I took his woolen socks away, but Those are the kinds of changes I'm talking about. If you add in a child situation, a parent who is not on their cell phone, but actually present with their child and doing these playful things that parents really should be doing. You were talking about our parents buying us bicycles and Mm. taking us out or letting us go out on our own. This is how we compensate for not having that anymore. Be present with your children. In doing that, some of them would be bouncing on a trampoline, teaching your child how to do a somersault, rolling your child in a rug or a towel, and then wrestling with them. These are all the types of exercises that help So it's, 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 it's very,
1: very tactile. Everything you, you, is you, tactile. You're it's looking at engaging tactile. the senses. Mm. It, it is tactile. It, it, it could be so much as baking. Absolutely because again with baking or cooking you involve all the senses you mm. involve touch mm. you know what what does it feel like when you mix um dough uh, the consistency of the dough you need mm. to be able to feel that taste so, so taste the eggs taste the flour taste the butter um you know, at sight, uh, mm. you need to look at what, what you're doing. This is fine motor skills as well. Mm. You know, using the cookie cutter, mm. um, rolling with a rolling pin, Absolutely. um, feeling the heat of the oven, um, you're smelling the, the it's involving all senses, mm-hmm. you know it, and it doesn't have to be difficult. And anyone can do this.
2: So, so this is one of the points that that uh, Melanie Jacobs that you had on last week, and I agree on emphatically, and and that is the fact that if you, as a parent, are present, and the same is true as an adult, whether you live alone and you maybe don't have the assistance required, chores, do. The chores Everything that your body needs to know Crossing midlines All these things that an occupational therapist Will spend hours trying to teach you Can be done If you're doing the chores
0: Put a duvet in the duvet
2: cover Yeah, just try that on your own Exactly (laughs) (laughs) You know, if if a child um, My son is five And he's a little OCD like me And his favorite thing to do Is pack the dishwasher why he gets to categorize he gets ah. the knives mm. in a line he gets the forks in a line gets the spoons so it's not in a just line. me <laughs> he, he he puts the plates in one and then you give him one bowl and he reaches an absolute screeching halt what happens next if i don't interfere as a parent he has to now calculate compensate make a plan uh. those are skills we're taking away from our children They need to do chores. When they sweep a kitchen or they sweep their own bedroom because it's your bedroom and you should be cleaning it, they're crossing their midline. Mm. They're doing heavy lifting by moving furniture. This is stuff that we're paying occupational therapists to do when they should be doing it in their own home. They should be doing it daily. My children may not leave their room without making their bed. Does it have to be perfect? Absolutely not But you're taking ownership Of your environment It gives them self-worth I have an environment, I have a private space I am proud of that private space And I will maintain it And I add value To the rest of the house By doing my little part Mm. So important
1: You know what If I could Just Take that, what you've just said, um, and put it on a pillow, one of these stitch pillows. Take ownership, contribute to the well-being and the worth of your environment. Yeah. And, if and all of us can just true. do that.
2: Same rings true for adults. So, the therapy that I'm talking about is a child because we can influence their environment. But, executive functioning, and we're talking about the cognitive part of what we do now, executive function is exactly that it is looking at what your environment is, calculating what's necessary. Planning around it Using your brain So stop, think And then devise a plan If you
1: Stop, n- think, plan, act
2: Yes Before having an impulsive action Or mm. an emotional reaction We need to get through the reflexes Satisfy that emotional well-being And then we get to the stop and think And we're expecting children to already be there They can't be there. They're not developed enough to be there
1: yet. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Okay. Yvonne, I want to circle back. I, I, you know, to to bring this back into what we're seeing in our practice. Um, Now, it's interesting that we work with neuroplasticity and then with testosterone. And for a long time and, and this is this is how when you presented in the practice I immediately realized yes, but we need to work together. Because we were talking about the effect of testosterone on the brain. And Chris I've said this in every single interview that I've ever been on, whether it's radio, TV, I say this in every single consultation that I have with my patients who present with testosterone imbalances or deficiencies, the biggest effect of testosterone, and to, I want to say, a lesser degree, estrogen, is on the brain. It's on higher function. Mm -hmm. We know that estrogen has a very strong component with cognition. And cognitive function But more so testosterone And I'm going back to um, A program that we had m- More than a year ago um, With Dr. Jody Price Who Ooh, yeah. is um, A neurologist mm. That said to us That We have realized That testosterone Is An incredibly important Hormone In The functioning of the brain for a couple Of reasons firstly It works on the Structure of the Neurons themselves the integrity Of the neurons themselves so them. And then On the immune system of the brain Which is very very Intricate and Very specialized we have Your normal immune system yes and and that functions with more white blood cells, phagocytes, macrophages, et etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But then we have things in the brain like glial cells, which we initially thought was only support structures of the brain um But that the glial cells work like macrophages They devour substances and proteins in the brain that shouldn't be there Now this can be heavy metals, this can be protein components, etc, etc But then there's this one, which very few people know about And Yvonne, maybe you can expand on this And this is the blood-brain barrier The blood-brain barrier is... A network of blood vessels somehow, and I, I can't envision this, that keeps substances out of the brain. We know this through pharmacology. There are certain substances that crosses the blood-brain barrier, like your old tricyclic antidepressants or your old Mm antihistamines, they crossed the blood-brain barrier and caused drowsiness. Mm -hmm. And then the newer types of antihistamines do not cross the blood-brain barrier and does not cause drowsiness. And testosterone plays a vital role in the integrity of this barrier. Um... So when we start combining the effects of testosterone in not only our older patients, but in the younger ones, we had two boys that presented with multiple concussions. You then diagnosed them as that this is not the concussion that caused the breakdown in the neurological function. Um, that repaired because they were young enough and had high enough testosterone levels but the testosterone fixed that but we still put them on a little bit of testosterone and you know at 3 weeks down the line both these boys which are overachievers in their own rights so one is studying engineering the other one is final year law um are flying. Mm. You gave him some exercises, which you know what I follow up on them weekly, mm. adhering to. But tell us a little bit about this, and you know what, how we can aid people mm. who presents with something similar. Mm.
2: Again, Mark, we don't we don't assume and we don't guess. So when when they come in, we we assess where they're at. Um, from a reflex point of view One of the boys had a very Active reflex still present He was very anxious about starting Varsity and his whole World was about to change He knew that and his support system Was not coming along with him So his anxiety was Through the roof and that's where the exercises Come in We also worked on a few coping mechanisms for him And um, and he He has A long road to go Because he needs to form coping mechanisms And rely on himself a bit more Um, What we eventually came out at With both of the boys Is um, from the same family And what we came at Is there was an emotional disjoint Both of them were not given the opportunity To function independently They were told what to do, when to do it and exceptionally bright, really, really capable men who had been groomed their whole life and and they were going to achieve great things, no matter what,
1: but yeah, they, they were, were groomed for success because absolutely the family, mm. the whole family, mm. all of them are incredibly dynamic people,
2: mm. however, they were not equipped to do this on their own and and one of the one of the men we are working with building self esteem, building his independence and realizing that when you step into varsity
1: it's do or die. You're in? Yeah, especially in what he's studying. He's studying engineering. First year engineering is most probably the busiest and most difficult of your first year courses Mm.
2: so to add to his his self-confidence we did do brain profiling we looked at his dominant features and at the end of this we we absolutely emphatically agreed he is in the right line of study this is exactly what he is geared to do in every way from a brain profile point of view which really sent him on his way with confidence but he needs a few skills still put in place and and maybe Life skills Which is what we all learn at Varsity Sure But, this but sometimes it's a,
0: yeah, I was just going to say Sometimes it's a huge crash course Absolutely And especially you know if you've you- come from A highly disciplined environment S- Of school In a family That you overachieve
1: in Etc, cetera, etc cetera, Suddenly it, it does change When I consulted with, um, with the parents After their assessment with Yvonne I actually congratulated them On being two good parents mm. Mm. Because, you know they, they did Absolute nothing wrong. They came from an environment where everything was just almost too good. You know, they, it was a very loving environment, mm. a very supportive environment. Absolutely. The kids, yes, they both went to boarding school, um, but you know, the parents were omnipresent, mm. um, which uh, we just wish this for 99% of our population sure. That b- the parents can just be a little bit more present mm. um, So, you know, t- again, I have to congratulate this family Absolutely. And they are all incredible people And incredibly dynamic mm. Okay, so I've got my five-minute warning no, so- It's now down to about four <laughs> After the last monologue
0: <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: y- Yvonne, um Let's let's sum up quickly. You have three minutes because I need some extra time. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, my my desire, my absolute message, being here with you today, is I would like to see people become lifelong learners. <clears throat> Children, adults should find learning new information, new experiences, fun. They should find it interesting. They should find it inspiring. New knowledge, we should have a thirst for it. How do we get there? We can only get there by satisfying our need to survive, our fight, flight, freeze. We also need to look at the emotional standpoint that we're at and satisfy the needs that are there kids give us clues all the time adults not as much but we can get there then we need to get to the cognitive and and the cognitive is really where where the cream is that's where the real magic happens but parents you need to get engaged you need to take responsibility and it doesn't need to be difficult or change your whole life world But we should all be lifelong learners. We should really enjoy the process of learning new things, being surrounded by people who tell us new things. Whatever your learning style is, soak it up. Take it in. That's where the magic happens.
1: Okay. So... Yvonne is joining us, um, at the T clinic. I have to be honest, you know, the T clinic is expanding In I, I was in just
0: going to say those rooms you got, which seemed enormous when you first got them,
1: are getting crowded. So, are, are, <laughs> get, are so busy. They're fantastic. Well done. You know what? It's the the whole idea behind my My ethos in in medical practice was to have an, a holistic approach mm. to well being and not only to Health. Yeah. No, it's no, no, to be a well-rounded person. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, it be happy in where we are and what we do because I found that and I found that through my work. Mm. Um, yeah. and you know, it, it's incredibly special. And both of you have Haste been in the that. practice quite often. And the patients that go in there know that, you know, it they come in there and it's a happy place. It's a place where mm. we have mm. fun. Um, until we close the door and then you know what we work. Yes. So Yvonne, um, welcome to the team. It's going Thank to you. be fabulous to have you there. Next week we are talking with the compounding pharmacists. Um, Ooh. and it's going to be all about, um, alternative remedies, um, and supplementation for um, certain diseases and ailments. Fantastic. We're heading for a third wave of COVID, and, um, you know what, we will also touch on, um, boosting the immune system, you know, through IV therapies, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I mean, it's amazing going into winter. It's so important as well that, so not only with COVID, but we are going to go into a winter. Now last year we didn't have that many flus. This Why? year, because people were isolated. But yeah. this year we are, it's, it's, that'll increase. Yeah. So it's a hugely important thing. It was stunning to meet you and our, <laughs> you. we'll have a good, Laugh uh, along with our friend Alice. <laughs> we didn't mention Alice. Hello, ah, Ali. Hi, Alice. <laughs> um, next time we're in the practice. So thank you so much, and uh, have a have a good week. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Okay, okay, bye. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.